and play us in. Oh, and because it tells me to tell you, for legal purposes, you are being recorded right now. Alec, welcome to the digital campfire in this COVID world where we cannot meet around real campfires, but maybe we can now because we've decided to change all the rules just this week. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love the intro there. I was really feeling the warmth of that campfire there for a minute. Oh, yes. I, I can't play it while we record because it's too distracting, but in editing, I am actually going to put a campfire underneath it so there'll be a nice campfire crackling through our entire conversation here so i've met you because you are a member of pi kappa phi at suny brockport which i was and i was doing the math a little bit earlier um all of 13 years ago is when i pledged so to feel very old what's your scroll number 598 you know, it's not as bad as I thought. I'm 343, so it's not nearly as bad. And when did you cross over? Or how long? Like a month ago. Oh, okay. So uh, we're almost to 600. Okay, one other. No, we, are, we are at 600. My oh, pledge, we are at 600? My, my, one, my pledge brother is scroll number 600. Okay. What's your pledge class? Beta, theta. Oh. That hurts. Alpha Theta. Oof. Oh, that hurts. There's been a whole Greek alphabet between us. All right. I'm not sure if this is still a thing, but like inside baseball that none of the listeners other than the few pie caps that listen and all understand. What family are you part of? No names. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I got to know. Do any of my family still live? So my technical family is congressional. Is that still alive? No, I'm not too sure. Presidents? No. Irish? Yes. Okay, one family line still lives. Abram, if you're listening, your branch that you started is the only family that still lives. I'm very sad. I'm very sad. I'll come back and take another little brother for no reason at all. I'm trying to take twins because I'm a junior. Ah, there you go. I graduate next December, so I'm trying to take twins this coming fall. Don't take two at the same time. Take I, one, then take another. I, I, I'm trying to expand because the last, my, my big is 518. <sighs> yeah, there's some age around there. Yeah. Uh, some distance. Well, let's get to why you're really here. You're here to talk because you have a business. You make ice cream, boozy just, ice cream. Yeah, it's not just regular ice cream. It's alcohol infused ice cream. By any chance, does have you tried a Guinness Nitro Cold Brew ice cream? Because I would have that. I haven't tried anything um, stouty um, or any beer 
Is it all liquor? It's all hard liquor, but I've been told like it's a thing. That is a thing apparently, and uh, I should give it a shot. So one of these times when I'm bored and want to screw around with something like that, I probably. Not to mention, I love Guinness as well, so I'd probably get really behind that. Make like a German chocolate stout, Ooh. ice cream. Ooh, that sounds good. Well, um, you know, let let's get. Uh... When I was a burgeoning pie cap uh, dual drink, this is probably not something that lasted, but here, here's an ice cream flavor for you. So dual drink is a bottle of V8 juice that you pour half of it out. Then you put uh, 99 bananas in it or any of the 99, regular vodka, Sprite, and then apples in it. And then you let it sit for a good 24 hours fermenting in that before you drink it the next night. And at the end of the night, you drunkenly cut it open with a knife and share those alcohol infused apples with everyone. Uh, I don't know what kind of ice cream that would be good with, but there's a concoction for you. I thought about um, because my mom really got into a bender about a fireball. Or with Fireball. And she was making all sorts of shit with Fireball. Like we were talking like apple pies and um, applesauce. And eventually she accidentally made uh, apple ball, Fireball apple pie moonshine. She just let the apples fermented in the Fireball. It was really good. I just can't do Fireball. It's one of those, that and then Jaeger, um, Though, you know, uh, you can do the traditional four horsemen of the apocalypse shot once every now and then. So, so how did you come about this? How did you start making ice cream infused with alcohol? I honestly have no idea how ice cream's even made other than it's milk, uh, frozen and delicious. So how'd you get to this point? So the original idea came off of another idea back in December. Um, I was door dashing in the upper falls of Rochester, um, you know, like Lyle Ave, Lake Ave, you know, just that general area. It seemed to be a hot, um, hot spot for the day. Um, just trying to earn some extra money for Christmas. Um, you know, I get my sister, my brother, my cu- my niece and cousins, some gift cards, you know, just something basic. Um, and while I was driving around, I just noticed like there were a lot of people in the street begging and I didn't quite understand, like from an outside perspective, it didn't really make sense to me because I didn't, I didn't, I was never born in Rochester or the area. I moved up here July of 2019 from a very like rural, small town. So to see something like that um, wasn't very common back home. So I just, I kept on asking myself, like, why are these people outside begging? Like there's, there's gotta be jobs. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, but some things have to be done still. And uh, originally I was going to create an economic proposal to this and present it to the city uh, to try to bring back some economic, um, economic support. Cause again, outside perspective, if we look at it, Rochester used to be a powerhouse of industry. You know, we had Kodak for God knows how many years till they screwed up with uh, what's the nuts there? Uh, well, uh, it, it was the digital film that they yeah. let that go. Uh, it has been a bane that has been discussed on this podcast before how 
badly Kodak screwed the pooch on that one. Um, actually, back when I was in the office, I worked in the shadow of the Kodak building. I was over near Frontier Field, but I've been remote for over a year at this point. I, I just remember one of my accounting professors used to be an accountant at Kodak, and that was the biggest example he would ever use was Kodak this, Kodak that. And I just remember when I was driving around, like, okay, why don't we have such such industry like Kodak? Like, where where'd they all go? I know we still have Xerox here, but who uses the fax machines? <laughs> so, like, we have all this land and all this talent here in the area, you know, with RIT, U of R, I mean, CD Brockport's got some great kids, Fisher, Naz, like, why don't we have companies here? So that was my big thing was creating such a proposal to kind of attract companies to come back. Um, and I shared, before I did anything, I shared it with a friend at uh, City Hall. Um, and he thought it was a great idea, but then he kind of hit me with the, um, that the city already has a fiscal plan all the way to 2035. And that's, that got me thinking more like you can't really change things in a city overnight. It takes no. years. And I was like, well, I'm not going to waste my time on it. And I'm not going to waste their time. So what other things can I do? And realistically, if you want economic change, you have to have a seat at the table. You have to have some sort of presence there to push for that sort of change. And uh, that's where I got the idea of, okay, I'm just going to start a business. Well, what's my business going to be? Like, I mean, what ingenious idea can I come up with to um, kind of get things rolling? And then I thought, okay, um, we're surrounded by a lot of dairy. So I was thinking, okay, we can do some like homemade ice cream. All right. Well, there's, you know, you can get Abbott's. I know it's not ice cream, but it's frozen custard. It's still something, you know, there's mom and pop ice cream places all around. What's going to make me different. And, uh, you know, I freshly turned 21 back in October. And I thought to myself, is there a way you can do alcohol infused ice cream? I did the research. I did like, um, did my homework and sure shit you can i tried it up i tried it out i was like oh wow this is actually really good so you doing this all from your apartment or house in the brockport area right now i take it so i don't live in brockport i live in the city okay um, you live in the city i, I live on Go uh, south goodman street closer to highland park okay i'm I'm in Brighton, so I'm not super far away from that area. Um, this is the area I kind of like was first introduced to. My dad lived on a, uh, I moved up, when I moved up here, I was living with my dad. And uh, he lived on Laney Road, which is like right, almost a stone throw away from the, the old psych hospital. Like you could easily walk across Elmwood and end up right there. Oh, I love that old psych hospital. It is a beautiful building that they cannot tear down because of the asbestos in it. I know. So I wish I can get back into it. It was amazing. I actually took some uh, cool pictures of it just this weekend. We went to the Lilac Festival and yeah. got some good pictures of the psych building from the festival. So I know the area quite well at this point. I have yet to have been to the Lilac Festival. I, you know, 
you can go this year, but it's not really the festival uh, that it is. Um, what I will say, if you're newer to Rochester, you said you just came here in 2019, right? Yep. Where did you come up from? Bradford, PA. So like okay. two hours directly south. All right. All right. So you're newer to Rochester. So I, in 2019, you may have seen it, but you missed it in 2020. Festival season in Rochester is the thing. Um, we've got the Park Ave Fest, the Cornhill Art Fest. We've got the Lilac Festival, Fairport Canal Days, Brockport Canal Days, Spencerport Canal Days. Um, those are just the ones I go to, and there's probably more. There's probably in Rochester a festival every weekend from mid-June till mid-August. Um, I, I know there was the they do like a concert series in MLK Park that, yes. I, did, that um, I, I didn't get to go to, but I saw it back when things were lively. Yeah. So uh, the festival place is a great place to be, um, especially if your business expands. Uh, there's a lot of food vendors at those places, and I'm sure, you know, uh, you can buy booze at some of them, but not all of them. But boozy ice cream would probably sell once festival season comes back. Oh, I'm sure. I'm definitely sure of that. So are you looking at getting a storefront? Do you have one or is this just a delivery service at this point? So this is my business model. I am a production uh, based company. So I, um, I would like, originally the, the idea was to make, to open the storefront and then move to production, but with all the rules and regulations when it comes to public, um, public health, it seemed like it'd be a lot of paperwork and a lot of intense, um, security around, like making sure like you have the right, right, the right face shield and, um, you know, spacing and all that. So it was brought brainstorming with some uh, colleagues at the beginning, um, kind of pushed it towards that production first and then storefront later kind of model. Um, so yeah, right now production based, I do deliver um, within reason. Like if obviously like some of the pie caps, I bought some ice cream, I'm sure I'll deliver it over them. Um, and I've taken it to work where my coworkers have bought it, but I don't take, I don't take orders and just like randomly go all over the tri-county area. Like I just kind of um, stay put. I did mess around with shipping a little bit um, within a 10 mile radius of Rochester. It is a little pricey, especially if it's like one pint of ice cream, but it worked. That was my next question. How do people get it? But it sounds like you're limited release right now. Yeah, limited release. I'm trying to get enough exposure. Um, let's. So, as you as you kind of like alluded earlier, like I did, I did win a competition um, through Sing Rockport. It was the Pettis Family Entrepreneurship Competition. Um, what all entailed of it is. People had to submit a business plan, which I already had one. Uh, luckily, didn't have to put too much work into that one. Um, and then they chose three people out of the however many that submitted. Um, those three people had to then give a 10-minute business presentation 
um, kind of going more in depth on the product and the financials and kind of show the investors. And I put that in quotations because it was the judges, um, uh, how profitable your company was going to be. And, uh, so they thought I was the most, I would be the most likely to profit between the other two that competed against me. And, uh, I won $1,300 for it. Um, which with that capital, um, I have connected with a ice cream production plant here in Rochester that's been open for the past 10 years. It's called Eat Me Ice Cream. Hmm. Um, and I had a very long, very positive conversation with the owner of that company um, to where she is allowed, she is going to allow me to do what's called co-packing, um, which is where we take all... I produce my ice cream under their licenses and permits and just basically say like packaged and distributed here, but it has my name and logo on it. Um, and the reason why we did this is because to produce ice cream, it's very hard. Um, speaking on the bureaucracy of side of things um, to before you can even open up a production plant, you have to send the plan with all the equipment that you plan to purchase to the Department of Agricultural and Market Milk Division. And they have to approve it before you can buy anything. And then you have to have it inspected. But like I said, um, with this idea of co-packing, because the facility has already been approved and uh, given the licensing and permits, I wouldn't have to do that just as long as I follow the guidelines of that facility. So Makes sense. it uh, cuts a large chunk out of uh, future plans, kind of allows me a little bit more freedom and expansion. Yeah. And I think that'll give you a huge advantage because, uh, you know, having package stuff and, you know, I know um, pop-ups are a huge thing too, starting in Rochester. Um, one of my buddies, um, on my podcast network, DFAT Entertainment, one of our owners, uh, he also runs a uh, YouTube channel called Rock Connoisseur, which he does food reviews for different restaurants and stuff around Rochester. He actually did Jimmy Z's uh, and Jimmy's been to a couple of his events, but one time uh, he had chicken out. Have you had chicken out yet? Not yet. Oh my God. It's so hard to get a hold of, but it is the best chicken I've had in Rochester, but they do these small uh, pop-up events around Rochester where they're like, we're going to be at this place on Thursday. And that's the only place you can get it. And it's only that one day that it's on sale. So it sounds like once you have packaging, you'll be able to get out more to the public than you are today, making it at home or your house. Yeah. And the nice thing about, um, so kind of go back again to the rules and re- regulations. So I, t- I technically can only do retail sale the way I'm doing it. The way that I'm going to be doing it, I can produce wholesale, which allows me to sell to bars and restaurants and third-party people. So um, uh, that's a beautiful thing of trying to get of that so that I can get my word out um, a little bit better than trying to do it retail. Because um, then the bar, like I said, the bars and restaurants will kind of do some of the work for me. And, uh, and I've already had a restaurant 
uh, connect with me. She, the restaurant owner, uh, coincidentally, um, is from my hometown or from the area. Um, we, I was making a reservation at her restaurant. She was like, that area, that area code, like, where are you from that area code? And I was like, from here. And we had a good laugh about it. And we talked a little, um, later that, that when I went to go di to dinner, we talked about the business and, um, she's very interested so that once we start the packaging at the other facility, we'll be able to, um, sell to her. And should, she's more than happy to sell my ice cream. So. Nice. It sounds like you've got a growth potential already starting to line up that you deserved the award for your business plan and yeah. that it is moving along. I'm trying, the goal is, um, it's what I call the top plan because my business is top shelf creamery. So I thought, okay, catchy milestone name, let's get it going. Um, because I'm only able to really focus on the business like 100% during the summer months or during breaks. Um, during the summer break with, you know, three months, um, I hope to produce at, at minimum 600 units a month and be able to um, supply to over 50 different um, places. Wow. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. How long does it take to make a single unit? Cause I don't know this. So where, where I'm at right now, um, I start from the very beginning. I bought an ice cream machine off of Amazon cost me like $40, you know, had prime shipping. So I didn't have to pay for that. Um, uh, and this ice cream machine, it requires you to freeze the aluminum canister that it comes with. 24 hours before you make ice cream. And then when you make the ice cream mix, you have to chill it for at least 30 minutes. So everything has to be cold already. Um, and then when you're dealing with alcohol, um, the higher the proof, the lower the temperature needs to be. So luckily I'm not dealing with very high quality, like top shelf ice cream, which I know. Not Bacardi okay. 151 ice cream. You know, I do have Bacardi, but the proof is still low. It was like Bacardi Superior, <laughs> um, uh, which I used in one of the flavors, the Strawberry DAC Refresher. Uh, but we'll, we'll hit on that in a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, it's everything's already got to be cold. Um, so that makes it a little bit easier when it comes to chilling alcohol. And then once, once the canisters freeze, froze you'll put it in the center of this big bucket like a five gallon bucket is what it came with surround that with like ice and salt like to your rate uh, ratio of that and then it came it also came with an electric um crank so i didn't have to stand there and crank the ice cream like old timers had to i just plug it in and let it sit on the sit on the counter for about 30 minutes to an hour and it usually takes um, a little bit over an hour, but I do check on it like periodically. And what you end up with is more of a soft serve than a regular ice cream. And that's because again, the alcohol, um, if it was, if I didn't have alcohol in it, it would be strict. It would be a hard serve ice cream. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was content with the soft serve and I eventually, I just 
pour the soft serve out and into the pint-sized containers and I freeze it overnight and it turns nice and hard. Nice. So that's that's the process. So what flavors do you got? Do you have a favorite flavor so far? So I have three flavors. I'll break them down each one. So the first one that I made was a Rocky Road mudslide. Um, that's your traditional Rocky Road ice cream with, you know, the marshmallows, chocolate chips, pecans, chocolate ice cream. Um, and I put Chi-Chi's mudslide mix in it. So rum. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty low proof, but um, you can still taste it. Um, it just disperses pretty well and homogenizes well as well um, within the ice cream mixture. Uh, so the next uh, next one that I made, I made this for my coworker. Um, well, it was based on her because she has a diet um, uh, dairy allergy. She really wanted to try an alcoholic ice cream. So I'm thinking, okay, the next one was gonna be something fruitier, um, something more, a little bit more refreshing. So I thought, okay, what kind of milk out there is like plant-based or non-dairy? I thought of lactose, um, that lactate milk, but there was no thickening. You need the thickening agent. You need the cream. Um, So the only milk that I could think of out there was coconut cream and coconut milk. Like, okay, that's our, what are we going to do? I was like, okay. Let's do a strawberry daiquiri. Sounds pretty awesome. I did uh, Bacardi Superior with it and uh, um, did uh, fresh strawberries. Made it nice and pink and, you know, I had the strawberry, kind of like a strawberry milk sort of thing. And then added fresh strawberries to it and it, it was pretty good. Um, nice. coconut, coconut and coconut milk kind of freeze weird. Um, they freeze harder. And so the next day when I pulled it out, it was more of like an Italian ice sort of deal. Um, but like if you let it sit in the fridge for 20 minutes or sit out in the, um, no, sit on the counter for 20 minutes or like let it sit in the fridge overnight, it turns into that hard serve. Um, but that's one flavor I'm hoping to experiment with because this new company, um, is gearing more towards plant-based ice cream and they already have a coconut cream like a coconut milk um ice cream base so maybe that will freeze a little bit nicer and uh so you don't have to sit the ice cream out to get that hard serve so that's one that's one improvement i'm hoping to make here and then the final one which it's is becoming a real hit like everybody's wanting it it's what excuse me Something flying around my face. <laughs> Anyways, um, um, it's called the Drunken Chocolatier. And uh, it's your, you know, kind of like your death by chocolate cousin. You know, it's chocolate ba- t- chocolate based ice cream. And we got creme de coca. And we do Chi Chi's again. And then I was going to use Bailey's. Um, but I decided I'd use bourbon cream from the Black Button Distillery. And I loved that way much better than the Bailey's. Like it wasn't as sweet as Bailey's, but I thought it was creamier. And like, it just tasted way better than what I thought. And then um, to add as a garnish, I put like fresh um, fudgy brownie bits in it. 
and it just it everybody loves it like everybody i've had a couple people order gallon a gallon of that because they love it that much those all sound very interesting um as a preferred liquor drinker to beer uh i have in my now what is feeling like very old age gotten into scotch so find a scotch based ice cream because I, I do have a favorite scotch when i turned 21 i got into scotches and i do have one sitting in my decanter currently uh glenn mirage sherry cast 12 age yeah the first one i had was actually logovin and it okay. came from Europe. Uh, my wife bought it in the uh, duty-free in the airport. And I've got a couple now that sit up on, uh, I have like where my staircase is, there's like a tiny, tiny shelf in the basement. And it's filled with different liquors that I can easily get to. Yeah. So. so do you have anything else to talk about with your business before we discuss some other topics tonight? Yeah, I mean... It's still fairly new. Um, I'm always looking for ideas and people to like join the movement. Um, my next goal is um, once we get this production thing up and running, maybe I'll start um, looking into like a retail, like a food truck sort of deal. Um, and then maybe look in, depending on how fast I can get it to become popular and known in the area we can work on like merchandise and stuff like that. Um, but I'm always, I always take um, suggestions and ideas and if people want to work with me and like try to help me out more, um, I always appreciate that. And um, anybody listening can obviously go to, I have a social media page for it. It's uh, at top shelf underscore creamery. Um, so that's, and it's pu public view. So you can see, um, it'll say Rochester, New York and how al alcohol infused ice cream. So you'll know it's me. I'm the only one on Instagram that says that. Um, and I'm just wanting to like take this idea and run with it. That's it's a very awesome idea from what you've told me. So let's move. You've mentioned business a couple times, and I kind of want to flow into this a little bit before our commercial break. Um, are you a business major? I am. Okay. Um, I'm a finance major um, with a minor in economics. Um, I've been involved in the stock market since age eight, um, but I didn't open my first account till 18. Um, I just learned to like a lot of the tips and tricks and like how to identify um, volatility and um, movements within the market um, throughout the years. So how much GameStop do you currently own? I missed out on that and I it hits me because I looked into that days before that happened. I was like, you know what? I don't see any anything happening with this. And that yeah, it bit me. Same thing bit me with Dogecoin. I was going to say, are you hopped on Dogecoin now? You know, it, again, it bit me because I hopped on Dogecoin early when it first came out. Like a couple, I think it, I invested five, five, $10 when it first came out and you could have gotten like 2000 Dogecoin. Like, um, it was super early in it. And it, I saw it rise a little bit, but it kept on dying down and eventually like, I was like, I, 
I don't want to focus on this anymore. I want to focus on more like realistic, short-term, long-term investments. And I really, I'll hop back on this, I um, believe late, um, a little bit later, but um, or on this whole Doja coin. But yeah, I hopped out of early, uh, made like a couple cents off of my original investment. And then as I saw it rising to like seven cents, I was like, okay, I'll throw a couple more into it. So instead of 2000, I ended up with a hundred and something. And then I saw it jump up to the 37 cents and the 70 cents. I'm like, okay, I made a smart move at the time I did, but I wish I would have kept in on it. You know, I was joking when the whole GameStop stuff was happening on Twitter that uh, we should work to make Sears the next GameStop (laughs) because Sears is trading at like, I think when I looked, it was trading at 26 cents a share. And I was like, if we can get Sears to a hundred bucks, we can all become millionaires. Sears is where it's at, people. Well, that's where the um, AMC, they're trying to get that one up too. I don't think that one. And the reason why I say that is because um, we see all, we see how like HBO has like moved their streaming service. Now, like anytime a Warner brother movie comes out, you don't have to go to the movie theater. You can go watch it on HBO. As someone with a kid, I love it. It's hard to get to the theaters. Um, It's not going to prevent me from going to the theaters for movies. I want to see in the theaters. Um, I'm, you know, Disney's not doing it so much, but I think I'm going to hit the theaters for Spider-Man and I probably won't hit it for black widow. I might actually drop the 30 bucks to get black widow same day. Um, But like, dune i might and suicide squad i might which are both uh wb but today they announced dune is theaters only they will not be releasing it on hbo max that's interesting to me because like we saw with wonder woman like everybody hbo max hbo max like mortal combat man it was great watched it right on hbo max the day it came out so so I feel like H- if Warner Brothers wants to keep reining in that cash cow of the releasing new movies, they might as well just do it through HBO Max. Um, but that's where I believe uh, AMC is not going to gain a gain any more value just because we see this shift in climate. Well, I can tell you as a former GameStop employee, this was seven years ago now, but I don't see anything that made GameStop worth the value that stock hit at peak no that was straight up nostalgia like there's nothing that makes that company worth that type of money so i was not a business major i decided to go political science uh you know which has gotten me into the awesome job of being in business class phones i uh am a team lead of an implementations team um But with that said, I've gotten really involved in business books and research, and two of my favorite authors are both Adam Grant and Simon Sinek. So have you read either of their stuff? I haven't read them in depth, but I I know the names. They're Um, both really good. I know the Simon Sinek. um, I've watched some of his videos, and I think he's got some really interesting ideas when it comes to organization and uh so they definitely do uh simon simon recently did a ted talk interview 
um, which was very interesting. And his most recent book kind of had this argument over how a CEO shouldn't be called a CEO because what it doesn't describe their job where all the other C-class get their job described. Chief uh, financial officer, chief technology officer, then you got chief executive officer, officer, no description there. But uh, when you mentioned Kodak earlier, they both reference the failure that is Kodak in Rochester. So I mean, it's, a le- it's a lesson everybody needs to learn. I'm sure it's a case study at this point. Oh, it's got to be. And it hurt Rochester so bad. I mean, and our economy is definitely not as hurt as other economies, but just watching the downfall um, as a Rochesterian, the inner loop getting torn down because the inner loop was built for Kodak and at peak had such high traffic on it and now it's barely traveled. So they're getting rid of it Um, right off 531. There's an exit right to the old Kodak park, which is now the Rochester tech park. And they're building an Amazon shipping center there at this point. So Kodak made its dent on Rochester and it's huge. I I love how we were talking about Kodak a little bit because I remember earlier in the pandemic how Kodak was going to be getting, but yeah. They let that press release out a day early and screwed themselves over. Yeah. Even though they found to be, they have done no wrong. The investigation has ended and Kodak has found to do no wrong. But by releasing that press release early, they screwed themselves over for that deal to make um, generic drugs, I think they were going to make. Yeah. Which failed to generic drugs. It was going to be a federally backed investment to create generic drugs, which would have opened Kodak just a little bit more than what what it is. Yeah. And you said you saw it in the stock price, like the stock price went from like that down two dollars to um, fifty dollars in a day yeah it was 55 or more at peak i think yeah so and then had a nice raise there so we're about to take a commercial break do you have any final thoughts on just business in general with your business major that you'd like to cover is your question about my business or just as a business major, like general? Just as a business major in general, it doesn't need to be about your business. It can be about your business. I mean, as a business major, I think business is people look at it wrong. I feel like people look at it as an easy way to make money. Like you can go out and become a marketing major and graduate with a bachelor's degree of science and marketing and make six figures. Cool. Um, but what are you really going to do with that major? And I think that's the same for all majors. When you're going out to just pick what major you want, make sure it's something you like, something that attracts to you and make sure that it's something that you might feasibly use later on. Um, I, I love finance. I love the numbers game with stocks and I love talking economic policy and all that jazz. But realistically, there's a chance I might not even use it. I, you know, I'm a member of NROTC Rochester. I might, I'm going to be commissioning in next December. 
So I might not even use my finance degree, but either way, if I wasn't commissioning, I have this business might take off, might not just in general, choose the major you want wisely strive to do something with it and if it is a business degree you want just kick ass in it that's good advice as long as the major you're choosing is not political science because it is an absolutely useless major especially when you then have a minor in history and a minor in military science and you don't plan on being a teacher useless degree set. I worked at GameStop for years after college before getting into the phone business. I really, I feel bad for, I felt bad for my dad. I mean, he's turned it around, but um, before, before his psychology and before he is getting his, um, he's getting his master's in social work here in a couple months, but um, he had a history degree and he was wanting to become a history teacher. I get it. Follow your dreams, but also you have to follow the market. The job market's not there for teachers in some areas. Yeah, if I could go back and do it again, I think I'd become an anthropologist because there is um, organizational psychology with anthropology, and that is another strong interest of mine. I've really liked uh, Yuval Harari's books on anthropology, and uh, Adam Grant is technically an organizational um, psychologist, so... That seems like a really interesting path on how businesses and people organize and something that is still needed, unlike political science. So with that, we're going to take a brief commercial break and we will come back to the second half of the campfire chats where it's been too late around the campfire. makes it easier to edit right we'll take a brief pause and we'll come back in so just to let you know for segment two what i do is i bring a conspiracy theory or philosophical concept like when you're around a campfire and you've drank too much and now you're shooting the shit with your friends Uh, i have a good one for you i had to do a little bit of research and i found a pretty amazing conspiracy theory to present to you um So what I'll do is I'll let you finish chewing, put a little bit of silence in here to edit this, clap us in, transition back in, and wrap this episode up with a conspiracy theory. Sounds good. All right, Alec, we're back. We've had an amazing commercial break. Um, At this point, we might have actual sponsors, or you might have just heard about one of the other great shows on the DFAT Entertainment Network. Check out Critical Mass, the Star Warriors podcast, Tau Light Talk. My buddies there just had their 200th episode a few days ago. Live show. I hopped on for 15 minutes. We got a great entertainment network for you. But with that, we've been sitting around the campfire for a good 40 minutes now, and My listeners know at this point we go into conspiracy corner. You know, it's the point where you've sat around the campfire too long and you start talking about that conspiracy or myth or ghost story or philosophical concept. And I went out and researched it and found an ice cream based conspiracy theory for today about McDonald's. 
and it's a good one. So I got to pull up the article here just because I want people to be able to read this if you're listening in. Wired uh, just recently had an article about this group and the McDonald's ice cream machine. Uh, being in the ice cream business, have you heard about the McDonald's ice cream machine? How it's always broken. Yeah. How it's always broken. And now the conspiracies around why it's always broken. I haven't heard any conspiracies. I just know that my sister gets super pissed off anytime she goes there and it's always broken. Yes. Yeah, so the McDonald's ice cream machine is like this super expensive machine that they say is the Ferrari of ice cream machines. They had a whole bunch of descriptions in this article back from uh, just April 20th of this year. They hacked McDonald's ice cream machines and it started a cold war. Uh, And this article was talking about how the McDonald's ice cream machine breaks down a lot. And apparently there is a secret menu within the machine. They have the code in here. You have to press like the flurry button followed by the ice button followed by like five, four, three, one. And that opens up the secret menu that tells you all this stuff about the machine and how to fix it. And a lot of the problems around the machine are how complex it is. It doesn't need to be cleaned every day like most ice cream machines. It only needs a deep clean once every two weeks because At the end of the day, it heats up to 150 degrees and melts everything that's in the machine, which then goes into a basin, which it refreezes and pasteurizes for use the next day. And if there's too little or too much ice cream from the previous day, it can cause it to break and all this other stuff. So a company that was trying to get into the ice cream business uh, had figured out that there was the secret menu on the machine and they made this attachment that you could put onto the machine and it took that secret menu, pulled the data, put the data into an easily to digest report and could send the report out to the owner of the machine. So you could easily maintain the machine without having a maintenance worker come in every time. Now, part of that is because McDonald's, if you don't know this, is not a food company. McDonald's is a land company that sells land to build a food shop on that they then own the rights to the food recipes and all this stuff. And McDonald's only lets their leasees uh, have certain machines, and this is one of their approved machines. The conspiracy theory is that McDonald's knows this machine breaks a lot and has teamed with this company because they then force their leasees to buy maintenance contracts on this machine that the company gives kickbacks to McDonald's corporate for, thus making McDonald's even more money off of it. And if you try to go buy your own machine, McDonald's only has one other approved machine It's an Italian ice cream machine. And if that machine breaks, it could take up to four weeks to get the parts from Italy. So you can't go to a third party and buy a different machine because McDonald's can then pull your contract for using non-McDonald's approved merchandising. Conspiracy. McDonald's is screwing out their uh, franchisee people. 
I mean, the fa- I mean, if you watch the founder, I forget his name. Oh, Roy uh, Kroc. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. screwed out the McDonald's brothers. So before realizing land ownership was where it's at, not fast food. No, it's actually it how a- Sears fell too. It was after the fact. He yeah, it was. A- it it was after the fact, like when the Frank the franchisees were popping up everywhere and they didn't have their royalty contract in writing. It was all verbal. Yep. And that's how they got screwed out of their royalties, which I believe at the end of the movie, the royalties totaled out to like $600 million in today's money. I'm like, (gasps) yep. And they screwed the McDonald's family and land ownership is actually the downfall of Sears as well. Because the CEO, this is going to be a little misinformed, but the CEO of Sears owned a landship owner company. Sears at the time owned the land the Sears buildings were on. He sold the land to his landship owner company, which forced Sears to start paying rent to the company that he owned, which collapsed Sears's entire market underneath it when business got bad around the crash. So. I have to say, while I was telling you that conspiracy theory, I saw a look of disgust on your face as I was explaining how this machine self-cleans and like repasteurizes everything. Being in the ice cream world now, is that just absolutely disgusting concept that it heats everything up and then refreezes it? Yeah, because but you know, every high schooler, they work at some sort of fast food joint or what have you, or mom pop place. And I worked at Burger King for a little bit. And I remember cleaning that machine. And it, it wasn't a daunting task, but, I ma- you know, we made sure that any ice cream mix that wasn't used got thrown out. Why the hell would you, I get it, looking at a profit margin base, you know, if you don't use any ice cream mix and it's still frozen or what have you, like put it in a separate container within the machine and reuse it. Got you on the profit. But when it comes to cut consumer safety, like pasteurization and that sort of that baby can lead to some serious bacterial transmission. And that's why um, when it comes to pasteurizing ice cream, it's, in the eyes of the state, like New York state, especially, um, it's looked at very heavily. Like you have to, in order to pasteurize milk, you have to have a pasteurizer, which is at least a five to six digit machine. Like these things aren't cheap. And the fact that you have a little ice cream machine that is supposedly melts the ice cream and repasteurizes the, the ice cream is disgusting. How can you how can you compare the quality of the pasteurization between a five to six digit machine to probably one that cost four? I don't I don't know if it said the cost in the article, but I do want to be clear on one thing. They did show a picture of the machine. This is no little machine. This takes up a good amount of real estate in the store and when you're in a mcdonald's and you see the ice cream machine you do not realize how far back that thing goes because they showed a picture of it outside of a mcdonald's so 
it is the size of a good industrial fridge, if not a little bit bigger than that. But have you seen a picture of a pasteurizer? Absolutely not. I have not seen so. It, you need to have a full facility, like probably the size of a McDonald's would have to take up the size of a pasteurizer. I don't know. I read that and I was like, I could almost buy McDonald's doing this to her, their franchisees. I mean, they also use like not 100% white meat chicken in their chicken nuggets. I used to creep my little sister out all the time because she loves chicken nuggets. That's her diet, chicken nuggets, bread and pasta. I mean, what teenage girl doesn't eat that food group? Um, But I used to watch these all time 10 videos. And uh, one of them was um, undercover footage of the butcher shop um, facilities and how they were using 100% white meat chicken. They were using all the like cartilage and vein and fatty pieces to make the chicken. I mean, I, I had chicken nuggets tonight. And by that, I mean, I cut up chicken tenderloins, breaded them myself and everything. But I still, you know, on a, a good road trip, enjoy uh, McDonald's chicken nuggets. I believe those chicken should be in quotes because no nugget would actually look like that with like the breading semi floating around yeah. the piece of chicken. And it never looks like a boot. No, no. It never looks like that. That is totally like, I feel like they shred all the chicken. They just put the chicken into a shredder, then turn it into a paste that they pour out and stick breading on the paste and fry it. It's (laughs) not chicken, chicken. So you compared like chicken McDonald's chicken to like the form of plant-based chicken (laughs) and how like it looks when you pull it out. Like that's what I imagine McDonald's. McDonald's should have really um, got on the word impossible because they have impossible chicken uh, for their chicken nuggets, at least. For sure. But yeah, I, that, that whole, I, I get the reason and I get the mechanics of it, but again, food safety, when you're coming, when you're talking about like, when I see a commercial come on for McDonald's and it's always smiles and like family oriented, like, why would you, would you feed your kid like the ice cream if you weren't sure if it was totally pasteurized or what have you? Like, yeah, you know, I, I will say that I was never a fan of McDonald's ice cream. I did like a good McFlurry, especially around Shamrock ta- or sorry, there's shakes, especially around Shamrock shake time. But living in Rochester now, um, you know, just local places. We've got Luigi's in Spencerport, Pittsford Dairy, Abbott's, um, and other places. And it's like, at least here, no reason to go to McDonald's ever for ice cream. I don't even go to Dairy Queen. I I enjoy a good Butterfingers Blizzard. I, you know, you can get a butterfinger blizzard at Abbott's too. But I only go Dairy Queen every once in a while because the Dairy Queen back home closed down. Like my when I my junior year of high school. So, yeah, you, so a final ice cream thing, not around conspiracies, is Abbott's. I find one of the interesting things about Abbott's is the one in Brockport for some reason is different than the rest of the Abbott's. 
It's the only one that consistently has cookie dough ice cream on the menu. And they must keep their ice cream a little bit colder because most Abbott's, because it's frozen custard, the minute it touches the sun, it's melting off the cone. But for some reason, the one in Brockport lasts a little bit longer as you're walking before it starts just coating your hand in mint sprinkles and vanilla ice cream. I haven't been to the one in Brockport yet. I've only been to the one in uh, uh, Pendleton, the one up on the lake, and then uh, the one on Monroe Ave. Yeah, um, the one on Monroe Ave. So we've done 12 Corners, which is Monroe Ave uh, as well, and then um, Fairport a few times. But, you know, we don't make it out to Brockport like we used to, but... They were my favorite Abbott's. Uh, we've actually discovered a place uh, our way out in Penfield called Scoops. And it's like uh, a traditional ice cream place. And that it's like one of those shacks that's got the curved roof. And you walk up and all the ice cream's like super cheap still, but they don't have a huge menu. And wow. I was super excited because it was like, they have twist. I don't know the last time I've had a twist ice cream. I'm going to get a twist today. So I remember when I first had a twist, I thought like the ice cream place we went to, like just magically made this because I wanted like, mommy, I want half chocolate, half vanilla. Like, cause there's some like sure shit came out. I'm like, oh, this is the best thing ever. You know, the only other amazing thing about ice cream coming up uh, with the things reopening I will be able to have Dippin' Dots again soon because I think they're still in sports stadiums. I remember there was that little bit when Dippin' Dots stands started opening in malls. And I was like, this isn't a mall food. This is a baseball game or hockey game food. So that weird little frozen ice cream ball. Well, it's that nitrogen it hits with. It does. With that, don't trust McDonald's, apparently. They're trying to screw you out of your money through an ice cream machine. Thank you for coming on. One last time, I know you plugged it earlier. Plug your pluggables, that uh, Instagram site, and your company. So my Instagram site is at Top Shelf Creamery. My company name is Top Shelf Creamery LLC. And I am the owner, founder, and operator. All right. And so the way I always end this podcast is with a quote and keeping it in this ice cream theme of today. I've got this one. If you open up the mind, the opportunity to address both profits and social conditions are limitless. It's a process of innovation. And that is from Ben and Jerry of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Uh, Again, thank you for coming on and have a great night. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. With that, I will play us out for the night. Cast this.